welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. As we sit here recording on Friday morning, December 22nd, we are hours away from the conclusion of the first ever early signing period. Barton Simmons, uh, my illustrious co-host here on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast, but also uh, the National Director of Scouting for 24-7 Sports uh, for a long time. So Barton, this is uh, you're, you're coming down the stretch here. Uh, any instant reactions? I felt like, by the way, I thought that you and Steve really got us started on a good on a good note. I really appreciate uh, you know the effort and the energy, and all, obviously on twenty four seven sports through the week uh, as it's coming to a close. Maybe even like from a behind the scenes perspective, before we get into the biggest storylines, like do you think that uh, do you have any big picture thoughts on the way this this first ever signing period went? I think that Georgia could have given us some indication that something really unique is being constructed there. I think that the way they closed, the way they secured the states, the way they stole commits from Bama and beat the rest of the SEC for guys that we weren't even sure that they were going to sign or land this, this, uh, at this point, like I, I'm, I'm really starting to wonder, you know, what, how quickly this is going to get rolling for Georgia, and 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 how special this might be. Because look, they're already in the playoffs, right? Because it's like you know how quickly this could get rolling for Georgia. It's like this is a team that just won and, the SEC championship, right? Right. And so what I mean by get rolling is is like doing Alabama stuff, mm. where they're where they are every year in the playoff hunt. Every year they're in, in Atlanta. Um, and so that's been by my biggest takeaway is, is, is they're doing things that we're used to seeing Nick Saban do. And um, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm very intrigued by, by the budding power that Georgia appears to be. Because when you look at how they're building it, offensive line, starting a freshman and a redshirt freshman this year, uh, running back, quarterback, defense, uh, another – Loaded group of offensive linemen this year. The best running back in the country again. The best quarterback in the country again. Another really talented defensive group. Like They're, they're building this with a, a really strong foundation. They got a great identity. Uh, Georgia is, in my opinion, the state of Georgia is the best state in the country for football talent right now. All these things are is, is, is very much a perfect storm. That it, it looks as though Kirby is a good enough coach to corral and channel so uh, man i mean this is a this has been george's week where they really flex their muscles i i i i want to throw this out and it's like probably a combination of things but um it felt like as georgia is surging and you mentioned about how you know this is almost like making alabama moves the kind of things you expect from nick saban the the one of the sort of narratives throughout the early signing day and you know the early signing period also is that um, you know we didn't necessarily see um, an Alabama or an Ohio State 
Uh, like, is is it possible? Like, I am used to, I'm programmed from the last, you know, four or five years that on National Signing Day, on that first Wednesday in February, um, that is a spot where you see Alabama and Ohio State cleaning up. Is there anything about the early signing period that has put Alabama, and again, we're talking about Ohio State, number one class in the country right now, um, but is there anything about the change in the schedule or the change in the format that has created a kind of disadvantage to uh, what has been the recruiting power who gets their pick of the litter? Yes, yes, but if, if you're going to say that there's a disadvantage for Alabama, I mean, this, the, the same disadvantage is in place for Georgia. Uh, in the sense but that you're just kind of an upst- like you know I was almost thinking that uh, like they were the class like Ohio State and Alabama have been the class of recruiting like they they have been the ones like they get all of their final picks they get to probably uh, keep you know keep working um, on all these guys till the very very end and that you know there, there's something about being the trendy the rising stock maybe that that gives especially in this first early signing period that is maybe uh, added to the shift of power that was already in place with Kirby Smart and this staff. Yeah, I think George is riding something for sure for, for them to come out of, uh, you know, relative, relative obscurity. Obscurity is the wrong word, but for them to sort of flash into this playoff team this year um, is, is I think right time, right place to, to ride this wave. But, at the same time, the, I, ultimately what the, the late signing periods provides or the February signing period provides is an opportunity for at the end of the process, when you understand what your board looks like, you can start going and picking people off and you can build some momentum. And, and uh, you know, I think that Georgia, for whatever reason, has, has, has been able to – their message is resonating right now and getting these guys to sign early. And Alabama's – recruiting these guys too and and i think alabama throughout this process has been i I do think we're finally seeing maybe they'd be a little victim of their own success a little bit i mean how are you going to convince a five-star to to sign up for that wide receiver core how are you going to convince a five-star to come in play behind Tua? i mean i guess georgia you know georgia got justin fields but he's an in-state guy so you sort of that's that's your that's your ace in the hole there alabama didn't have an ace in-state five-star quarterback uh, so I, I just think it's it, again, but that's, that is what Georgia, the opportunity Georgia has is, is that's the best state in the country right now. And Georgia is now the, the team in that state. And so, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's disadvantages, but, um, yeah, I mean, don't cry for Ohio state. They're right. still number two. Right. And, and Alabama is still number six, but it's just not the, they're not dominating and bullying people right now like we're used to seeing them. That's uh do you think that that is something that we will see continue? You know, it's it's tough because uh, I mean, I I did not make much out of the uh the story behind uh Jackson Carmen, five-star number 1 offensive tackle in the country from Cincinnati. You know, Clemson went out and got him out of Ohio from Ohio State. He was also considering USC um when he told uh a reporter a local Ohio-based reporter, that Dabo Sweeney in the recruitment process had mentioned that Urban Meyer might be on the back end of his career. D- did you make anything of of that? No, no. Okay, no, all right. I didn't either. But that's yeah. not that's not the point that I'm getting to. The point that I was getting to yeah. is is this? Uh, are we seeing a shift in power where 
uh, just like, you know, the five, seven, ten years, you know, uh, these things cannot continue forever. Uh, when you say victim of their own success, do you sense on the recruiting trail that there is a little, there is a little bit less dominance from Ohio State and Alabama from Urban Meyer and Nick Saban? Well, I just think that there's, I think we're we're gonna, Alabama's had seven straight number one classes. Right, it couldn't have continued forever. And 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 not only that, but now I think we're about to enter a period in which there are we're, we're finally gonna have like competition at the top again. Uh, I think Georgia's showing they can they can they can sign a number one class. Ohio State can sign a number one class. Alabama can sign a number one class. I would expect Jimbo Fisher to generate some sort of momentum at, at A and M. Um, you know, I think uh, I, I just think all this. I mean, James Franklin and, at, at Penn State, Tom Herman at Texas, Dabo. We know what he can do at Clemson. Like, if he has a if he has twenty five spots, I mean, they they're probably the favorite to have the number one class. Like, I think that there is a new level of recruiting competition, and that that it feels new. Like, I know that there's still been powerhouses that that Alabama has topped in the recruiting world before but it feels it, it feels new on that front in terms of the level that the number of teams that can truly compete for that top recruiting class and if if that's legit then then and, and alabama is no longer just drafting teams then that that could spell a a less dominant period for them um, not that they won't be competing for championships but i'm just you know with alabama's been it's been alabama and everybody else and, and i could see a little more parity creep in uh, with the way Georgia, Ohio State, and a couple of the other teams are recruiting. When uh, you pulled together some numbers uh, to back this up, um, I can pull them up if, uh, if if you don't have them in front of you. But the uh, what was the final count based on your estimation in terms of how many uh, of the top prospects or how many prospects decided that they were going to go ahead and sign here in this early signing period versus uh, the ones who are going to hold out for February? Yeah, the, the the number as of yesterday, which was as we were talking on Friday, the number as of Thursday was seventy nine point eight percent of committed kids went ahead and signed, and sixty five and change percent of the kids, the general population of the recruiting class signed, um, and so that's. Significant. You know, that, that's significant. And I, hey, look, I was that's I, if you've been listening to me, that's the number I've been I was projecting. Like, hey, I, I think about eighty percent are going to sign, and and yeah, like I do also think I wonder if that's if that is sort of the now number moving forward indefinitely that's going to sign in in, in uh, December or whether we see kids start to maybe see their own. The, their own leverage points, see their own value, see their own ability to 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 hold out, and maybe see that number decline a little bit. I, I would assume that number will is more likely to decline than it will to to creep up, because Ooh, I still yeah. think that a lot of kids are going to look at this and say a lot of kids are going to look at this January period and see some kind of scrub relative to them and see how much attention they're getting. And they'll say, "Well, shoot, I could have held off, and I would have been the I would have been the guy that everyone was recruiting." So we're gonna, see, I mean, we're gonna see that that twenty percent that's left over, or I guess that thirty five percent that's left over, 
is about to be a I mean they're 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 going to be the toast of the town. So when Solomon uh, Tuyapapu is getting all the attention here in January, they're just going to be like, "Damn, it could have been me." <laughs> well, I don't know about him because he was probably going to get attention anyways. I, was, I just I just tried to pull. <laughs> I was like, I was like, what's the best name I can pull from uh, the top fifty right here? All right, so yeah, I just was doing a quick scan. It looks like about uh, and some of these guys like Terrace Marshall is going to be Friday night, right this afternoon. Right. So we'll be getting him in a little bit. Uh, so it's about like 10 of the top 40, which is not insignificant. It is, you know, it's, it's still a decent amount of players. But man, when you're looking at the list on the 24-7 sports player rankings, uh, a lot of logos out here uh, beside these names that have, yeah. uh, that have signs. It's, uh, it's, it's something that was pretty funny because the, the conversation among coaches going into it um, has almost changed depending on how your haul was. Like I was right. hearing some coaches that were like, "Oh, I hated it until we got this awesome class, and now I realize how many more hours I have in January." Right, but the, all that's going to do now for them the, freeze up their January. Yes, but what's what's they're not going to sit at home. They're not going to they're not going to just hang out with their family instead. They're going to be on the road recruiting, and and they're going to be recruiting class of twenty nineteen kids, class of twenty twenty kids. And they're going to further accelerate this recruiting process. And, and now they're going to get those kids on campus in the spring for official visits, which is a new rule. And, and just continue pacing towards those, that, that early signing period for 2018. So it, it, it is, it's a vicious cycle. It's not like this like lets them off the hook. It, it, it makes it a little less stressful in January. But it doesn't, you know, it's, it, they still got to get, get – Keep great, no, nah, great point. Great, it's silly me for thinking that a college football coach who's been <laughs> wired to like have uh, an insane January already is going to look at all this free time and try to use it to s- spend it on something other than bettering his football program. Like the muscle memory is already there on what you're doing. Like Georgia, Georgia just dance on on, on everyone as they're signing. Uh, six five stars and also sending out scholarship offers to the class of 2019 yeah and i mean kirby smarts his 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 mouth's water and just thinking about like what a great jump start he's gonna get on that 2019 class like it's gonna be it's gonna be full steam ahead all right uh first year coaches um you know there's there's a lot of different cases you know each coach faced their own challenges you know uh florida state for example, not not a very big class. Uh, what was it, seven or eight? Um, you know, just a, less than ten players. But uh, so, I mean, good players. But uh, it was almost like a. You know what, Florida State's. Uh, and it's funny because Willie Taggart, of course, had the background as an assistant there. But I was looking at Florida State's class, and I thought it was Stanford esque. You know, where it's like small class pretty good players uh, at, at most of the positions. So with, whether it's Willie Taggart at Florida State, Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M, uh, Scott Frost at Nebraska, you know, all the first-year coaches faced different scenarios. What stood out to you? Well, I, I felt like, you know, one of the, one of the uh, programs that I was really impressed with, I thought Tennessee did a good job. Um, they, you know, they, they, they got a couple of in-state guys, um, which is important in the state of Tennessee. That's really important to start winning that state again. Um, and, and it's a, it's a talented state to win. Uh, they also landed, uh, a, a kid that was a lot of people considered uh, a lean to Alabama. And I thought that that, I mean, that's sort of your, 
your your statement get of the day. A four, he was the number one junior college prospect in the country, a four star kid, uh, and and I thought that that getting the guy like that, especially as you're starting to transition your offense uh, into a, a more pro style, more physical downhill offense, that's important in in, in that identity. Um, you know, I thought. Um, Dan Mullen at Florida. Oh, yeah, was, Florida, was, great class. Definitely a winner there. Held his class together, moved up a little bit into the top 15, landed a, a four-star safety. Um, you know, he uh, he also landed – and really the, the gym was was he got his quarterback, which is important because it's a, a dual-threat quarterback to step into a pro-style quarterback room and start to change that identity – uh, so he got him. Emory Jones. He was the he was committed to Ohio State. Flipped to to Florida, and he beat Willie Taggart in Florida State on him. So that was important. Um, you know, I, I thought Willie Taggart salvaged a day by landing Jaden Woodby. Kind of he kind of showed what he could do there because Jaden Woodby's out of the out of California, out of Los Angeles. He was committed to Ohio State for over a year. He. Jimbo's staff gave him nothing, right? Yeah, he wouldn't have played for, with Jimbo. But, I mean, that was a kind of, I guess, a West Coast tie there that, that Willie was able to lean on. and um, Oh, I thought, it was, like, I thought it was because of Twitter. I thought it was because he did at FSU football and said, I don't have an offer. And then he got an offer. <laughs> I actually missed that. Is that what happened? That's, that's, it that's was, great. He was, uh, he was talking. It was like... It was somebody threw it in my face because I'm always on the team. Don't tweet at recruits, and yeah. and he was uh, he was on Twitter, um, and uh, a Florida State fan tweeted at him and was like, "Yo, we need you at Florida State football." And Jaden responded. He was like, "Well, at FSU football didn't even offer me. I would love to a Florida State fan." And so somebody in the social media, and that was like, I think on December 11th, I think. So somebody in the Florida State social media department was like, ah, ah, uh, we got to go on this right now. Well, it was, I mean, and they, they offered on December 12th, I think. Oh, and, there you go. That's and, and they got him on campus and, and like that never happens. That never happens where a kid just takes a visit and, and doesn't has no previous relationship with the staff. And and flips and that's I mean that's what happened it was like a hail mary and it worked and so that salvaged their class, but they did you know they lost uh, they lost uh, Emmer Jones they lost it uh, the kind of decom- kid decommit went to South Carolina, so not an ideal week for Willie Taggart but he had a tough a tough hill to climb. I, I, I kind of as I've been talking here um, I've sort of tried to rank these these coaches and what they did right away. Uh, I'm gonna go like I'm gonna go Dan Mullen one, Jeremy Pruitt two, Scott Frost three. I'm gonna go Matt Luke. Actually, I'm gonna go Matt Luke three. Honestly, he did a pretty good job because they got Matt Corral a couple days ago. They were able to flip a kid, Elijah Moore from Georgia. They were able to flip a kid from Mississippi State on signing day. Oh they, yeah, 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 that's true. I mean, the, uh, Ole Miss, especially considering they're they're uh, obviously obstacles right now. You got to throw him in there. So I'll go him three, Nebraska four, maybe Oregon five. Just I'd say maybe Joe Moorhead five, uh, even though they did lose one to Tennessee late. What about Jimbo? Or- What's that Texas A&M class look like? 
No. See, that's the thing. Like Jimbo has uh, is he lost. I mean, not a good day. He lost a commit that he may end up losing to Alabama. He a couple guys that he had made a push for late, hoping they wouldn't sign uh, and, and hold off until January. Did sign with other schools. Um, Jimbo did not have a great day. And and now, granted, their class is still in, in striking distance. They signed a lot of the guys that they wanted to get on board. They're like 28th in the country. Um, the the early signing period was not was not great for him, and and he'll have to still do some work here on the back end. Um, but better than Chip Kelly, who lost two commits and didn't 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 sign his his quarterback yet, who is is really kind of the the, the gem of that class. Better than Chad Morris, who's sitting back there at like 84th in the country and hadn't just hadn't been able to get, get anything done yet. Better than Herm, Herm Edwards, um, you know, who's 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 still trying to hire staff um, and who's got a, a commit list that sit and uh, trying to pull up their rank. There's 72nd in the country with with uh, 11 commits. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of there's a there's a lot of I mean, none of these guys are in great shape. It's just this is the this is the new landscape. None of these guys are in great shape, and 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 it's it's just a huge challenge for all of them. What about uh, we're gonna see? You know the the Saquon Barkley era is over at Penn State. Penn State, uh, you know the the Rose Bowl season a year ago, Big Ten championship this year. They fall a little bit short, but still like. We're going to go back and we're going to look at this little run as being pretty successful. Felt like Penn State, uh, you know, obviously getting um, Micah, Micah Parsons, right? Parsons, Pearsons, Parsons. Parsons, Parsons. Parsons. Yeah, Micah, getting Micah Parsons was the big headline, like the first big commit of the morning. Um, but the in general, as the day went on, I felt like I kept seeing Penn State slide up there a little bit. Uh, feels like this is a, a, a moment or a class that James Franklin can hang his hat on and know that uh, this is going to be sustained success at Nittany Lions for the Nittany Lions, not just like um, you know the the combination of Joe Moorheads, a couple good wide receivers, you know Trace McSorley, you know fitting in at the right spot, and of course a superhuman athlete in uh, Saquon Barkley. Yeah, they they flipped a kid from UCLA as well, John Dodson. They got Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons is probably, I mean, he's a day one starter caliber guy. He's a he's a freak, um, and and I think you're right. Like they're doing things from a talent standpoint that haven't really been done at, at Penn State in a long time. I mean, they've got three five stars in this class right now. They got the the number one all purpose back in the country, or number two. They got the number three wide receiver in the country. Who's, is this kid Justin Shorter? Six four two fifteen and runs like a four five. Sick. Just a gazelle, man. Oh man! Uh, and then they got Micah Parsons that does everything on the field. Um, Zach Kuntz, who's like a six seven, two hundred twenty five pounds tight end. That's just a mismatch. Like they've got a. This is a really good class, and so that's that's one thing you had confidence in with James Franklin is he was gonna he was gonna elevate the talent level. He was going to recruit at a really high level, and so yeah, like like you were saying, for whatever. I mean, not, not no offense, Ricky Ronnie, but like I don't care who the coordinator is, they're going to have enough talent to where they're going to be tough to defend. Um, it's good, you know, they're they're recruiting too well for it to matter that much who their coordinators are and and who their assistant coaches are. I mean, because James Franklin's now is at the point where he's having so much success that. It, it's hard to hang on to his assistant coaches because they're getting promotions and, and, and they're getting jobs elsewhere. Uh, and so 
as, as long as James Franklin is there, they're going to bring in talent because that guy knows recruiting and he's passionate about it and he's good at it. Uh, the Clemson Tigers, uh, as I was reviewing uh, the last like five years or so and, and sort of figuring out ways to talk about and break down this class, it's uh, you know because you have uh, absurd talent, sometimes – I step back and I think that it might be missed that when it comes to the recruiting rankings, Clemson's made it to three straight college football playoff, not with top five, top 10 classes, right? Yes. Yes. But that is important to, to, to make a distinction here. Clemson, the reason they don't have top top five, top 15 classes is, or or they do. Yeah, they do. They have almost consistently been at like 15, 14 they're like them breaking into the top 10 by getting four of the top 10 players with this very small class like what they think it ended up being right. like 16 17 18 guys right they've got they've got i think 15 guys in this class right now they had 14 last year um so among those 14 commits they had uh they had what like nine of them were four or five star commits yeah um you know so they they in, in in 2016 they had they had 21 enrollees still not even a full class um you know in 2015 I'll, I'll pull up see what they had there they had uh 24 that's more of a, like that's a little bit closer to a full class but and they're in, in the top 10 that that year like that this is just a, how clemson does it that's why clemson the better indicator there for their talent is the the team talent composite where you look at how much talent is actually retained on the roster Mm-hmm. Because they don't they don't lose these guys they don't process them they don't they don't send them packing if they don't if they don't live up to the hype and usually they develop the guys that don't live up to it by the time they're seniors and so Clemson has been like don't let the rankings fool you on Clemson like they recruit at such a high level and and they what's so impressive about Clemson is how successful they are on their Plan A guys they don't move to Plan B. They land their plan A guys, and and so they like they don't really even need to typically go out of region very much because they don't need to like that they're they hit like their hit rate is absurd, and so uh, Clemson's doing. I mean, and and to, to to bring this back to this week, they landed the the number three weak side defensive end in the country, five star defensive end KJ Henry, and they got the number one offensive tackle in the country, and Jackson Carmen, who's out of Ohio. Uh, who Ohio State wanted. So uh, Dabo is—he's one of the dons of this thing. He's—he's he's got it figured out as well. And 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 I think Clemson, just like we were talking about Georgia earlier, like they're—they're they're showing no signs of of um, of slowing down. They're—they're going to continue to be college football playoff team. Both of those schools can be a national brand, but almost don't need to be because of the demographics of where the talent is for college football or for high school football in the the country yeah like yeah oh okay like kj henry he's uh he's only about a two-hour drive up north we're gonna we're gonna head up to winston-salem we're gonna go get him out of west Forsyth. like oh we're gonna just go like uh, obviously they're fighting over the same kids and you're talking about the state of georgia but i I, I was trying to see if I was going to make a big deal out of Jackson Carmen, but even still, the, the demographics of Clint, like he is, he is still as an out of region player. It's a huge win for, uh, for Dabo Swinney and his staff, but 
still the makeups of these classes are almost all in the region. Well, I mean, you're on it. I mean, that's that's a great point in that when I go out and I'm on and I'm in like camps in in Texas or or Vegas or something, and you you ask kids, hey, who do you want an offer from? Who had an offer to you? You hope and will. Clemson is a popular answer mm. everywhere you go, and yet they don't even really try to tap into that because they don't have to because they're so good at hitting on the guys who are in their backyard. And uh, that's because that look, if, if you're Kirby smart at Georgia and you monopolize the state every year, you don't you don't need to go out like that's you don't need to go to California. Um, Alabama is, is a little bit more has is a little more necessity to do that because you just can't I mean you Alabama's they got talent there, and there's talent in Tennessee, and there's talent next door, certainly in Georgia, uh, as a as a next door neighbor. But Alabama has to get out a little bit more, and they have to they have to 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 try to get a foothold in Texas and, and California and some places, and they've done that, and that that's part of why they've they've been able to uh, continue to keep trucking into number one classes. All right, as uh, as we start to look ahead to the February signing period, where are uh, where are the schools or the teams? that you think uh, either can make big moves in terms of improving their class or, or who do you think even and sort of packaged into this, who needs to, in your opinion? Well, I mean, all those new coaches do. I think Texas A&M is one that's got to make a move. Um, I think that, you know, obviously Florida State, they're, they're 45th in the country right now with, what, nine commits. Um, so and then sort of the non-new coach division, um, as I look at the rankings, I mean, LSU is probably the one that's the most glaring to me. Wow. They're 15th in the country. They were sitting here on, on Friday morning, on Friday evening. Terrace Marshall, the number one wide receiver in the country, probably commits to LSU, so that'll help him out a little bit. He's from Louisiana, but, right? And he's a Louisiana kid, yeah. and, and he's hold, trying to hold off. Or he's, he's, he's you know, A&M is trying to, to, to make a final push. But if they don't do that, or I mean, let's just say they do. But either way, like right now, as we sit here today, right now, you got to go down to 190th in the 24/7 Sports Composite rankings before you find an LSU commit. That's that's just we're not we are not used to seeing that. And LSU, I think, especially given the new hires and and, and how competitive the SEC West is and how. Ed Orgeron was hired to recruit. Like that was the one constant, the given. Like, all right, we're gonna, all right, the given in this in this equation is Ed Orgeron can recruit. All right, now what about the rest? Who are your coordinators gonna be? Well, okay, now here we are. We're used to seeing LSU in the top five, and they're not up there. And so uh, they've got Terrace Marshall, they've got Patrick Sertain Jr., the uh, number one cornerback in the country. That's a lean to LSU right now, but now you got. Uh, you know, Florida State, Willie Taggart has, is, is desperate for some good news. You've got Alabama that just lost a cornerback to Georgia in this late cycle or early cycle. And, and Alabama, that's a high priority for them as defensive backs that can play. Uh, so they're going to reprioritize certain. So there's, there's going to be a lot of competition for that kid. Um, so I, I'm interested to see what LSU can accomplish. Um, you know, USC is down at 23rd right now, but they'll make a run. Just that's the way USC operates, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think then you sort of just got your typical uh, the, the, all the other schools that are really need the biggest action relative to where we're used to seeing them are, are those new coaches. Mm, big stuff. Um, 
Barton, great work this week. Uh, y'all killed it, 24-7 Sports. I hope everyone has followed, signed up for VIP, and, uh, and, and given all of their monies to, uh, to the good people at 24-7 Sports for all of your hard work. Uh, you can follow Barton at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Uh, we will be back next week, as we said, with, the, with another edition of the Locks Pod. Um, we did not end up picking the, uh, the Gasparilla Bad Boy Mowers Bowl but uh, but my fade Butch Davis play would have worked out nicely. Jose. I'm glad we did. And I think I might have picked FIU. So <laughs> my, my 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 lack of a feel for these low level games is still still struggling. Hey, we're about to exit uh, the Fernelli Arena and enter into the big boy world. Look out! Here we come. <laughs> All right, thanks, Mark.